We would like to dedicate this episode of Epinephrines to Maribel May, an amazing friend, nurse, and mentor that we lost too soon. Epinephrines is a mature podcast for adults. Even though I still wear underoos, I'm a regular. Listener discretion is advised. 20 pounds of archaic uh, technology. Yeah. Surgeon would say cut, and then I'd be like, wait, what's going on? Cut? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I always will pee. I love peeing. Peeing's fantastic. <laughs> okay, we need to do X, Y, Z, and then somebody needs to remind me to go to the back. <laughs> The Rules for the Emergency Department In the movie Patch Adams, Patch gives great advice for medicine in general. He says, you treat the disease, you win, you lose. You treat a person, I guarantee you'll win. This is fantastic advice for medicine in general, but in the emergency department, we need a little down-to-earth information. So I turned to a famous book called The House of God. In the book, The House of God, the fat man outlines the rules to his naive and eager protege, who quickly learns the wisdom of knowing when to do nothing and when to act in that order. In the complex and constantly changing environment of the emergency department, you must have a method to maintain your sanity. Personally, I have done this by storing all of my feces in an enormous bin. You laugh, but someday a bus full of resistant C. diff patients will come in. Where will you be then? I'll be ready, shoveling dose after dose of Dr. Brandt's steamy colon magic through NG tubes. You, however, need some tips. Thus, with my apologies to Dr. Bergman, Shem, I give you the five rules for the ER for brand new providers. Rule number one, panic later. Have you ever seen single digits on a pulse ox? How about someone rushed in through the front door after being shot? How about an apneic neonate? This is the time to act, not the time to flip out. We have all had sphincter tightening cases. Some shifts I swear I could crack walnuts with my anus. However, the second you let that demon of distress and panic take over, you have lost the game. Even when the colostomy bag splatters all over the fan, never let it show. Why is it so important to stay calm? Think of famous meltdowns. Who do you want to be? At the end of Christmas vacation, Chevy Chase rants to his boss. In Ferris Bueller's day off, Cameron crashes his father's Ferrari through the garage. You need to be like Jules from Pulp Fiction, telling Honey Bunny to be like Fonzie. And what is Fonzie like? Cool. You want to be the hero at the end who keeps walking away with his shades on despite the giant explosions. You do not need to look back at the explosions. You can just panic later. Rule number two. When in doubt, you might want to look at your patient. Every ER provider has had crazy busy shifts where someone just doesn't seem to improve. During these shifts, sometimes labs and orders get thrown in with a cursory exam, or sometimes a fly-by-the-room on your only trip to the bathroom in the last six hours. Despite a slew of negative lab work, the nurse still says the patient looks worse. Still want to discharge her? When you eventually get around to re-evaluating the patient, you realize that she has a decubitus ulcer which resembles a Daoshan covered in 10 pounds of seaweed. Her temperature is now 103 and her heart rate is 157, and her color has a distinctly Yoda-esque quality to it. Looking? Found the source you have, hmm. 
Rule number three. The enemy of good is better. The patient with the sprained ankle has a blood pressure of 220 over 110. Now she has a pressure of 178 over 110 and is feeling fine. Good. Send her home. You don't need to make that better. Put that clonidine back in the Pyxis. She doesn't need a pressure of 85 over 22. Now, this is not permission to be lazy. If the pressure is tanking, put in the central line and get moving. But in the patient that you have worked up for his hyperglycemia, keep your wits about you. He came in with a glucose of 484. You gave him fluids and checked for DKA and everything is negative. His glucose is now 222. Great. He has close follow-up? Wonderful. Check all the old records and when you find out this is the lowest his glucose has been in two months, he looks good, make sure you have close follow-up, make sure he can get his meds and knows how to use them, and you can put that dose of insulin next to the clonidine you put back in the Pyxis. Rule number four. Leave your garbage outside. The importance of positivity cannot be understated. Leave whining at the door and come in spewing positivity like a varicile bleed of joy. If you are feeling especially Eeyore today, throw on a smile and fake ticker to the best of your abilities. No patient you see today started their day planning to do so. She was not planning on having severe lower abdominal pain today. She did not wake up thinking, oh boy, I hope I can sit in a crappy gown in pain and have a stranger look at my crotch. No matter how bad your shift is going, your patient's day is usually going worse. I love whining about my job, and I love to pontificate with glorious embellishment about the various interactions. Get a group of ER docs together and they will start trading war stories under four minutes. It happens every time. But do that at home, and be an uplifting beacon of joy every time at work. Rule number five. Let it go. This rule might be counterintuitive to the newbies out there. This does not mean to ignore abuse or people in agony. No, this is the advice to stop helping people when help isn't needed. You know that drunk patient who keeps wandering the halls in his whitey tighties with both legs through the same hole? He looks you straight in the eyes and says, F you. The nurse is calmly guiding him back to his room. Don't get rattled. I had a guy come in over his handlebars. He had a few broken ribs and a pneumothorax. His main frustration was that his racing season had ended. His comment to me, Ugh, you have way too much gel in your hair, dude. Let it go. He had a bad and terrible day. And I know my hair looks fantastic. An elderly drunken patient yelled at me continuously while spitting at staff. He had a broken leg due to excessive gravity, but he demanded to leave. He needed physical and chemical restraints for his, and our, safety. And here's where it became tricky. While awaiting pharmaceutical dampening of his insanity, his son arrived and began screaming at everyone. He, the son, then demanded his father's discharge. Psychotic father remained agitated since the medication had just been given. After convincing the son that we were actually trying to help, he acquiesced and everything actually turned out great. Everything except for the frustration and anger of being yelled at nonstop by two people for doing the right thing. Let it go. They're both having bad days, and your job is to still do the right thing. Do the right thing, and let it go. And then, ask them if they would like to try a sample of Dr. Brandt's steamy colon magic. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and friendly friends from around the world, epinephrines episode, whatever the heck it is, welcome. I am your host, Rob Brandt. I'm an ER doc, but 
I guess you'd probably know that by now. So let's do some introductions. Uh, my name is Jacob Barnett. I am a physician assistant. And uh, interesting fact about me, my favorite winter activity is building snow forts like in the giant piles of snow at the end of driveways. I also secretly kind of like shoveling driveways, but that's, we don't need to get into my psychology. So <laughs> you are going to be forest gump when you're old, because you're going to be like, you're going to mow in that. Yeah. I mowed that guy's whole, I, I snowplowed that guy's whole lawn for free. I'm, I, I am like really, I got a new snowblower. This I'm like, re- like, I'm like, let's, let's get it. Let's 12 inches. Let's <laughs> Can't just, wait for the snow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. All right. I'm I'm Rob Brandt. I'm an ER doc. And I guess let's see. My favorite my favorite winter activity currently is um is I love sledding. I love sledding. We have a good sledding hill. We are in the woods, I guess, for the next little while. And just going through the woods, you've got trees going by on both sides and just going and going and going and going. I love sledding with 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 the spawn line. Uh, I have to ask, Brant, at our uh, shared alumni uh, college, did you ever steal a cafeteria tray? I, I saw it done. I never did it. I I never stole the tray and jumped outside and went down because it seems like... like You're missing out. Yeah, but I mean, that's not even a hill. It was like 10 yeah, feet. Icy and you go so fast. <laughs> and then you just have to hope you don't break a window. <laughs> <laughs> or or your sled. <laughs> no, I never did. Never did. My name is Casey Brands. I'm a clinical pharmacist in the emergency department. And my favorite winter activity is not doing winter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, I guess it would be a tie between having hot chocolate after being outside in the, the winter because I don't like it. Um or um, playing outside in the snow with my kids and pulling them around on on the sled. Um, I really, I don't know. I, I liked winter when I was younger and then did not like it a lot when I was like kind of like uh, older. And then now that I have kids, I enjoy going out with them and just they just love it so much and they are immune yeah. to cold and I don't understand it. But they, I, they just did that like, pure joy i don't i you can't like and their their face is like bright red oh my gosh yeah there it, it, this the first like little bit of snow happened a little while ago and i i was like uh i looked outside and i like put on a brave face and i went and woke my daughter up i was like something magical is happening look out your window she's like oh my goodness i want to have a snowball fight and i was like right them, so <laughs> and what well, you're a good mom <laughs> yeah i can't wait to go outside and yeah. play and just, you know, I don't yeah. so yeah as long as intro <laughs> in the entire world sorry <laughs> my name's jen i'm a physician assistant in the er and i am also not a huge fan of the cold uh, um, oh, okay so yes. my favorite winter activity is probably sitting inside yes. with yes. and reading a good book while you watch the snowfall. Because oh I God. do love yes. like that fresh snow blanket before yes. people have trekked through it, cars have driven mm-hmm. through it, and mm-hmm. it was the only thing that could make Detroit pretty. It does. <laughs> like you get a fresh. It, it was what? so weird because. 
you you like Detroit. I mean, Detroit is an awesome city for many many reasons, but it's not a beautiful city. Like so, but you get a a fresh just layer of snow, and then all of a sudden it's like it's actually pretty. Or a, as long as it's actively snowing until it's in terms of the brown flush. If, if you're looking for like the nature pretty, um, but there is a lot of yeah. It depends on like what kind of beauty you're looking for like if you're looking for like art and culture and like buildings and you know architecture like yes but you're talking about like fresh blanket of like right. i'm talking about snow. nature yes. pretty before yes. it turns i mean yeah the I mean, school yes. of art oh my gosh it's amazing yeah. yes but yeah I mean, no, I get strictly nature pretty i am i am on team indoors with hot cocoa and books though that is <laughs> i am on that team yes. and my little still too little to understand the greatness of snow so i get away with it for a little bit longer mm-hmm. you got you're about like, a year if that mm-hmm. You're like, that stuff's terrible. Winter, I bet he wants to go out and play. Well, this article that we went over was the rules for the ER. The quick run-through of the rules that were listed in the article were like, panicking later, when in doubt, look at your patient, the enemy of good is better, leave your garbage outside, and let it go. But I asked the fellow epinephrines if they could come up with their own rules after being in the ER for very prolonged periods of time. And obviously there's infinite rules that you can come up with, but they came up with some ideas of their own. So I guess I'll leave it to you guys. You left out the most important part about how you came up with the rules for ER. I did? And, well, I mean, yeah, it's reference to the the book, The House of God. Um, oh, yes. Yes. Batman. The House of God. Yes. Yes. Where this concept comes from. So when I, yep. when I asked people learning with me, like how the person looked, did they look you know really sick or not? And they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, you see the O sign or the Q sign, and they're like, "What?" And I'm like, "Oh." Okay. Nobody knows anymore. It's you're <sighs> dating yourself. Yes, you are. <laughs> used to be. No. I've, I was told he's writing a a a second version of it. So I have a rule. I have two rules that I thought of. The first one isn't um, necessarily from the ER, but it, I worked cardiology for years before I came to the emergency department. And the floor that I worked on had a rule that you could not wear pink underwear. (laughs) (laughs) And if you wore pink underwear, someone was going to code and die. And I don't know where this rule came from. I I worked there for 11 years. And it was... How would they know? Somebody would code. And they'd be like, drop it, everybody. That's exactly what would happen. Is somebody would code on the floor. And as soon as we were done with the code, we had one specific charge nurse who I absolutely loved. And she would walk around, shuffle on her little feet. Who's wearing pink underwear? And she would interrogate every single person on the floor. It didn't matter if you cleaned rooms, if you were up from lab. if Head of surgery. It didn't matter what you were doing. She was asking you if you had pink underwear on. And it became part of like the orientation for the floor. Like it just became known. Do not wear pink underwear. (laughs) Hey, that's a good rule. I'm trying to decide if this is hilarious or psychotic. It's almost something that I've carried with me because like I think about things. If there's a bad shift, I'm like, well, was I wearing pink underwear? And I'm like, never mind. That's not this hospital. (laughs) Different hospital. Different hospital. (laughs) The other rule that um, I have in the ER is you don't run in the ER. Like there are emergencies and we get there quickly and we get things taken care of and we all know our roles depending on on what you do in medicine. But 
there's this kind of general rule that we don't run. And so I think whenever you see somebody running in the ER, you're like, oh crap, it's hitting the fan. And like, you will see people start to follow that person. Like clearly something is wrong and we need to all get there fast. If you see somebody running, yeah, I think that's, yeah. You see somebody running, you know, it's one of two things, which is somebody is actively dying or, you know, very time dependent or the psych <laughs> patient got out. I think nothing, nothing makes your heart skip more is like a, a nurse, like a, like a nurse, who, a solid nurse who you would trust with anything running. Like that makes oh, yeah. my heart start beating so fast. Nurses are the backbone of the ER. And I, I've had like, you know, you, we've all worked with, you know, we, we all know the good. I mean, you have to be a darn good nurse to be in the ER in the first place. But like mm -hmm. when one of those I've had a few times where like a nurse I really trust just just gives me just like the one word Brant, like and you can hear it in their voice. And it's like, mm -hmm. I don't I drop everything that I'm doing and just go yep. because mm -hmm. yep. mm -hmm. I think. And like, I, I know that like what, you know, the, and it's, and it doesn't even, and it's so rare that it happens because the nurses are so unflappable, but pretty much it's either death. Like it's been like actively dying, actively dying, starting compressions, and then two babies. Yeah. Th that was the ones that I can remember. Yeah. Or well, anybody, even if they're brand new and you haven't worked with them before or a PCA or anybody, if they come out and you know, they're like, you get a warning, it's like going to be the one time you blow it off. It's going to be something you, you shouldn't have. You're going to, you know, it's going to be awful. And you're going to be like, oh. You're, I think that's a great rule, Jen. You see, <laughs> you see somebody running. It's, you see somebody running your heart I have a rule. Run. I have a rule that, and I, I break my rule all the time. <laughs> so it's, I mean, like it's, I, maybe it's just a superstition. Um, the pink underwear? Well, I would, yeah, I mean. <laughs> No, my rule is um, if you are trying to get a patient um, to go home and you are discharging them and you don't, you're still waiting for something. You're waiting for the CAT scan. You're waiting for the chest x-ray. You're waiting for the urine. And you, you write up the discharge paper and you print it out. You've, you've committed yourself to the CAT scan, the urine being positive for something. And you are going to have to change your printed out discharge paperwork. <laughs> I still do it anyways. But then like, I never like when it comes back and I have to change everything. I just think to myself, why didn't you just wait? So don't print out the discharge as your, yeah, your rule. I think like, it, it's like me, like jumping the gun. Like, you're just like, like, oh, I just gotta, you know, it's a, it's we're just waiting for the urine. I know it's going to be positive. I know I'm going to give them these antibiotics. Mm -hmm. I got everything written up. Just waiting for that positive urine to come back. Wait, four plus blood and 182 reds yep. and no whites. Mm -hmm. Rock yep. You can shred those discharge paperwork and get the CAT scan going. Fire up the ride. <laughs> There's one ride in the ER. You go very slowly forward and back. Come ride the ride. Sometimes we shoot you with a dye that makes you feel like you're going to pee yourself. <laughs> it's come ride the ride you want to feel like you got to pee yourself you want to go very slowly forward back and forth wait is that the donut it's like a donut but it's not the closed donut don't worry about it come ride the ride it only costs 1800 is it the donut or the cave <laughs> hey were you talking about gonorrhea you're talking about caves never mind moving on is that why that machine is down all the time oh. it's just yes yeah. <laughs> sorry we need to get the robot to zap the room it's just filled with gonorrhea again yeah, what is the help? <laughs> department doing here well we've traced an out we've traced an outbreak 
to your CT machine. A COVID outbreak here in the CT scanner? Oh, no, 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 no. We're, we're not part of the COVID team. Well, I, I, I don't understand. You're in the CT. I mean, what, what's going on? Uh, well, somebody should have been wearing pink underwear, but they weren't. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, we need to have a talk with everybody. Everybody that's been in this area. I mean, there's people that stand here. No, like in, in. I, I don't understand. We're going to have to have some <laughs> pictures, I guess. I don't know. That's a good rule, Jacob. So don't print out, don't, don't print out your discharge instructions. Don't count your chickens till yeah, they're hatched kind of thing. Yeah. Don't print out your discharge till you I'm gonna, get everything I'm going to uh, admit something. I may have had, I may have gotten like kicked out of the recording for a second and I missed a little bit of Jen's uh, rule. Um, does the quality of the pink underwear does that change anything or is it, is it just. No, it's purely color and any pink. Okay. So it could be like a predominantly white, but has yeah. like a pink flower mm, on it. Gotcha. All right. I just want to know how often after the codes, it's like, oh, okay. So I went around and nobody's wearing pink underwear, pink underwear. today. Who was it? Interestingly, interestingly enough, like three people are wearing oh. no underwear, though. <laughs> it's enough, so weird. In the 11 years that I worked there, never did we have a code that there wasn't someone wearing pink underwear. What? Which is why I think oh. the, the rule or there the superstition go. continued on for as long as it did, is every time something bad would happen, someone would be wearing pink underwear. They confess. Is, is pink underwear that ubiquitous? Is I mean... <laughs> Okay, have you walked through the mall? Like, the motif for Victoria's Secret literally is a pink building. Like, I am sorry. Like, I, I, okay, I know we've all been indoors for nine months, but prior to that, like, <laughs> yes, they're where? I, I don't am... know. I don't go to a lot. <laughs> um, can I tell my medical underwear story? <laughs> please, yeah, please, I like please how you, do. like, had to interrupt us and be like, yeah, please. I think I, yeah. So, so this is the reason... <laughs> The reason why I asked the quality of the underwear was that uh, this story happened and I only assumed that it happened because I just happened to be wearing the underwear that like you probably save in the drawer <laughs> until until it's like wash day, right? Like I don't know when I was going to learn anything like this about you, but I didn't know it was going to be now <laughs> here. But yeah, go ahead. Fully support this 100%. Yeah, go go go. So so I was um this was uh, my surgical rotation, um, <laughs> which if anyone knows, I, I think all surgical people are mean. I think that's just, they're, <laughs> they're just, they have really strict rules. They're, I feel like they're hard on students. I was like abroad, like I was not <laughs> near my home for this rotation. It was just a rough, just a rough go around. Uh, so of course... I'd like to currently pause the epinephrines to say this public service announcement. All <laughs> surgeons aren't mean. There are nice surgeons out there. Despite Jacob's experience, they are not evil human beings. There they're are nice surgeons. They're tired and they're hungry. And yes, because yes, they get up at 6 in the morning and then like stay all day and they do and surgery at 11 really o'clock at night. good at what they do. And yes, it's really, it's a really, I mean, I, my my husband is in med school and his surgery rotation, I was like, I never get to see you. This is so terrible. I feel really bad for people who are doing this residency, not because, you know, it's a bad specialty or anything to go into, but wow, this is really hard. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of respect, but yeah, if, um, yeah, wow, that's really tough, but okay. 
carry on with the story. Um, so if there's if there's grumpiness, so just hangry, okay. maybe valid, me and hangry. Yeah, they're just you know they're very particular. Mm-hmm. You've got to be scrubbed mm-hmm, in. Mm-hmm. You can't break sterile mm-hmm, field. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, typically, before I scrubbed in at this particular rotation, I for some reason had like my cell phone, <laughs> two pagers, <laughs> and sometimes I carried around this big like trauma phone, and they would all hang on my scrub pants. So I. Grub in, I'm standing right there watching the appendicitis being, you know, explored, retracted. My only job as a as a PA student was to hold the scissors. And anytime I got distracted is when the surgeon would say cut. And then I'd be like, wait, what's going on? Cut. Oh. <laughs> now, this particular time, I was just slightly more distracted because... I forgot to take my two pagers, my uh, gigantic <laughs> trauma walkie-talkie out of my pants, and I could your 1980s cell phone that weighs 40 pounds. And I could slowly feel my scrub pants just just sliding down ever so slightly to the point where I was like doing kind of like a forward splits with my buttocks kind of like pushed out to try to You're keep like crush thrusting into the patient <laughs> to keep your pants up. And finally I had to stand back. I had to stand back and I had to calmly say to the very nice, um uh anesthesia um <laughs> nurse the uh i had to say can you please pull my pants up <laughs> before they drop on the ground cuz i knew we were getting close and i thought that just slightly pulling them up would be a lot better than 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 grabbing them on the ground and shimmying them all the way up. I think you should have just <laughs> dropped trowel and just kept going. That would have been beautiful. You your dedication oh to the surgical team, and I think they would have respected you for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They just hear, Whoop. What, what was that? Oh, those were my pants, sir. I hope we're sure to talk about you for ages after you leave the rotation. Oh my god. <laughs> Remember when the PA student dropped trowel in the middle of the appendicitis case? Times. You, sh- you should have just played it off like you didn't even know they fell down. Like, is it cold in yeah, here? Yeah, just like... walk out of them. Just leave them on the ground. Well, you're in a saw... long, like, surgical gown, aren't you? Yeah, I don't think, like, she... No, for practically. Yeah. I, see, you know. I saw a Twitter thread about about this recently. It was like most embarrassing things that happened during surgery, and um, a lot of people posted that their pants fell down, and they either had to ask somebody to lift them up, or they just finished the surgery with them on the ground, <laughs> you know, because you can't break the sterile field. Somebody posted that there was an air leak around the tube, and like the ENT surgeon or something fell asleep because like the uh, anesthesia gases were escaping and they had to call in another surgeon oh like it, I, it was a really it, but a lot of people posted their pants fell down and some a lot of people who okay. had been pregnant as surgeons posted that too because you know the pants don't fit really well around sure. the pregnant belly so they just ugh, fall down um so i'm not alone no, is that what you're telling is, me apparently this is a thing i mean it's uh you know there needs to be a support group or something you can just go and let All it right, out good um, before scrubbing in <laughs> Make sure you're tied tight. Or that you don't have 20, 20 pounds of archaic yeah. uh, technology 
What would you do if your pager or the trauma phone went off? Oh, I think I don't know. Ask ask the CNL to fish around and grab the. Is that really the phone? Hey, you see that pair of pants on the ground that's buzzing over there? Can you? Grab I think them? there's somebody in the OR that answers all these things, right? Don't you set all that stuff out on. The yeah, table? if you set them on a the table, but his were still on his pager. I was a peon. They didn't. It didn't matter if I showed up to any of the pages. Probably why you were having so much fun on your rotations. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what to do. This is why you hated surgery, because your pants fall down and you wear too many pagers. Yes. Do we want to make an appeal to anybody in the general public that may be listening, working in IT to save us from technology developed, I don't know, 40 or 50 years ago? We're, we're yeah. looking for sponsors for this podcast. If we could get somebody from, you know, maybe past the year 2000 with technology because medicine is like <laughs> we're we're still using pagers yeah. like, like what are we doing i had one in high school and it had a cooler color than the one i have now <laughs> the one i have now is black i had the one that was green in high school and it was like see-through and it was really nice and it was more durable than the one i have now so if i could at least upgrade <laughs> to that one i would love it <laughs> but yes upgrade to 1997 yeah. please we're still oh using God. pagers. Somebody save us. It's on the I, list, I do, I'm sure. I do have another rule that I, I came up with, which has since evolved. Since It's not really much of a rule, but and I, and I break this rule all the time, but it's, it's pretty much just comes down to... <laughs> is it a guideline, then? It's a okay. guideline. Yes, it's, this is a guideline. It is try to oh. eat. That's it. That's the entirety. Because I find, like, you know, you, you're working... You work eight-plus hours... And a, around, you know, and you can you can power through on coffee for about four and a half, five. Mm. And I don't know how many shifts I've eaten. Absolutely nothing. And you get to about five hours and I don't know why, but, you know, you just don't seem as efficient. You don't, you know, but whenever I take the time and actually just, you know, grab something and get some food in me, everything magically seems to go smoother every time. What counts as food? More than peanuts and more than pretzels. Like if it, it needs to be at least a sandwich worth of food. I I sometimes feel like I'm walking around and I have like a to-do list that's like eight things deep. Like I got to discharge that person, but I got to run in that room, but I got to do this. And I like start to feel my heart to go fast. And then I also <laughs> realize that I just have to pee uh -huh. too. And then like mm -hmm. I pee and then I'm like, <laughs> I can accomplish these eight things. Like this is not. Oh, it yeah. Was, it was the distended bladder that was like stimulating my vagus nerve. Like I'm okay. Like, Even one more thing your way through two hours. Um, oh and yeah. Before yeah. you know it, you will have put off eating and peeing for a long time. And then it will feel like an emergency. <laughs> <laughs> if you keep just pushing it off a little longer and a little longer, all these small tasks, you know, will be forever. And then, but before you know it, you'll be so close to the end of your shift, you'll say, I'll just keep going. Push through. It's just an hour and a half to the end of my shift. I don't want to go get food And then now. you're like, okay, I can finally go. And then, the, oh, I don't know if this is a rule or if this is a guarantee, when you finally go, either the bathroom will be occupied, there will be nothing good to eat, or a code will come in and you don't have time to go do either of those things or do them well. Uh, it's so yep. true. So, so sorry, true. Um, you are at the critical point of needing to pee or needing to eat now, or you feel like you're definitely going to die and you absolutely cannot because, you know, you're in the department where critical stuff is coming in and your job comes first. 
So. Oh, I, I think <laughs> self-care needs to be a rule in the ER. Um, not in the joking way that we have other rules. Um, because too mm-hmm. often we do mm-hmm. neglect eating, going to the bathroom, even drinking water during our mm-hmm. shift. Drinking water. Yes. Um, especially right now with COVID and wearing a mask, it's difficult. It's inconvenient. Mm-hmm. It's harder to get, you know, your water in every day. Um, mm-hmm. But I've, in the beginning of my career, I really was like, no, like there's always another thing to do. I can't abandon the basement. I have to keep yeah. doing this. And it's something I think I've really realized in the last two years is that I am a better service to my patient. If I have been Absolutely. hydrating, I take 15 minutes and go eat something. If I take care of myself throughout the shift, because I think clearly I'm better able to articulate thoughts and explain processes to patients. I'm much more patient. Um, and I think it's something that we neglect because we think we have to stay there. We have to keep doing things. And in reality, we end up doing a poorer job in the long run. I agree 100%. Because if you can, like one thing that I've been trying to do is sometime within my first two hours, I usually try to get a coffee. And now what I do is go through the little EMS room, which has a pot machine and a coffee maker. And I fill up the coffee thing, like completely filled with Gatorade, chug nearly the entire thing and then get my coffee. That way it's yeah. like, all right, I'm maybe I'll have to pee later because I'll be having too much. But it's like, if you, if you don't do it, then you get dehydrated. You, you just feel like crap. And exactly what Jen said, you're just, you're just not mm-hmm. a good, as good of a provider. Has anybody ever had a day where you're like, oh, I should drink some water. You're like, oh, but then I'm going to have to pee soon. And I don't know if I have time for that. And then you go, wait a minute. That is. That's not, that's not, that's not correct. No. Oh, okay. I always will pee. I love peeing. Peeing's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Where like you get home from a like mid afternoon or late evening shift and you have to get up mm-hmm. like six times throughout the night because you haven't mm-hmm. peed all mm-hmm. day. And yeah. You know, maybe it's, it's, it's more being pregnant or after pregnant. But yeah. That just complicated it too. I will 100% give mm-hmm. you that one. But like you find like, oh, all of that water that I did drink during my shift. It's finally getting to mm-hmm. the kidneys, getting filtered out. I have had a few times. You, you get home from your shift and you take like the longest pee in the world. You're like, am I a camel? What am I? What? What is wrong with you me? You actually feel the pressure draining from your kidneys. Yeah, you're like, oh, yeah. You're like, did, did I give myself hydro by just not peeing? <laughs> I think I did. You're like, oh, this little butterfly ultrasound that I keep with me. I'm just going to scan myself real quick and see what this looks like. Like the toilet is overflowing. It's like, how much pee can one human hold? Why would you drive home without peeing? <laughs> because I'm dumb. In that moment, you didn't have to oh. go. Because I'm like, get me the hell out. I'm totally the provider that in my pod, I will look at my nurse and be like, okay, we need to do X, Y, Z. And then somebody needs to remind me to go to the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) That needs to be on the priority list. There's somebody in there right now, Mm -hmm. but don't let me go another three hours. I have had like, I I don't know if it was residency that burned this in my soul or what it was. But like, if, if I know a priority one is coming in, I always pee. Yes. Like every time. So there's like, like beep, beep, beep. You take the call. They're like, Hey, you got a GSW. They're going to be here in three minutes. I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. great. And then I am, I, I disappear because it's like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Cause it's like, I just automatically pee because the last thing you want, cause I mean, you got a bad trauma. Sometimes you're in there for Mm -hmm. hours and it's like, I can't leave. So I've, I, I've now, I, I think I've got like a Pavlovian response that I hear the party <laughs> one beeper to go off. It's like, oh, I got to pee. Or did you just have that dad that was like, did you pee before we left? Because we're not stopping. Make sure you go before we get <laughs> that's, right, that's right. 
the GS the 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 ETA for the GSW is three minutes. You hear that, you immediately go pee, and then for two minutes, everyone's like, "Where's Brant? Where's Brant? Is Brant around? Did, did we, someone tell Brant that the like, GSW yeah, is coming?" Who's the doc on this? Yeah. <laughs> Does anybody know? Yeah. And then he like pops open the bathroom door, flies into the floor. What? I walk out. My pants are still down. I pick, pull up my pants, zip up my fly, and like, all right, what's next? Yep, there you go. My several pages on my uh, 1980s bat phone and apply that to my waist mm-hmm. and keep going. Oh my gosh. So, yeah, now you lose a minute. I wonder if we should do like, this is sidebar. Yeah. We should run a trial between the, the the ETAs that are that are told to us and the actual time. Mm. Well, that's I was just going to say, like, and then it's like 15 minutes instead of three minutes. And so you're like, making small talk and then if it's a long time it really starts to go off the rails because you have 20 people there and you just start getting a little too Slap happy like crazy and then yes because you're like waiting and then all of a sudden it's like oh man the lucas is going and there's a bunch of people who have been coding somebody for 45 minutes coming in they are not in a jokey <laughs> mood um but we've all you know we've all have had a break for 10 minutes for once and so we're you know we're we're uh, feeling really fresh and it's like, oh, okay. You got that ramp up of epinephrine, and we're like, Urgh. yeah, game faces, game faces. Okay, okay. Ah. Everyone in the ER is nosy. So if there's ever any kind of yes. small group of people, everyone else must go over mm-hmm. to find out what's going on. But before the patient gets there, like it'll be everybody walking by, what's coming in? And you're like, we don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then, like, another person just by, hey, what do you guys got coming in? No idea. Okay. Uh, two minutes later, somebody else. Hey, what do you guys got coming in? We have no idea. Oh, okay, okay. I feel like every for each person who asks, you, sh- you should be allowed to like add something that just gets progressively more and more mm-hmm, ridiculous. Like mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I'm going on, I'm going on a picnic, and with me, I'm taking an apple. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm taking an apple and mm-hmm, a bongos, mm-hmm. an apple bongos and a catamaran. And then like you know, by the time the sixth person comes mm-hmm. in, it's like, what's coming in? It's a tiger bite while the person was parachuting <laughs> naked. <laughs> And a snake got him. Yeah, you just like start one upping each other. Like, all right, I'll start. Um, as a as a rollover. Oh, okay, okay. And then they gotta, you know, they got they're gonna come back by. And then it's like, oh, what's coming in? And a rollover and a degloving and an eye popped yeah, out. Yeah, you know, look at the next person. They go, oh, it's a rollover with this. Yeah, and they just start run, you know, one upping each other. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, a milk truck uh, exploded and. <laughs> You know, but it's cold and people are ice skating and they're making rolled ice cream on the highway. Um, And so, you know, they're they're bringing in rolled ice cream behind the person. So stick around. Um, (laughs) And a skate fell off and it's impaled in their skull. That's right. Yeah. So actually, we got another trauma coming in. So um, come check on that one. Doctors Ben and Jerry. (laughs) Doctors Ben and Jerry. I hope they're not allergic to dairy. <laughs> Get an EpiPen. The only thing anyone will remember is like a week later was what flavor the ice cream was. Rocky Road. <laughs> oh, well played. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, Casey, you just won the internet. <laughs> yep. It was terrible. Oh, my gosh. I just needed to not say it. Leave it out there. Well, does anybody else have any other fantastic rules for medicine or the ER? The rule I always tell my students is know what you don't know. Ooh, that is a really good rule, especially for the ER. I mean, and I tell patients this all the time. Like my my job in medicine is to know a little bit about a lot. Um, and then I can hopefully connect you with the right person who knows a lot about 
a little bit of medicine um, to get you where you need to end up. I always tell my students, like, there's too much in medicine nowadays. Like, no one can know it all. It's just not possible. And the best thing you can know is what you don't know. So when you come across something that you haven't encountered before, you haven't read about before, you haven't heard about before, um, don't be afraid to say, I need to do more reading, or I need to look some things up, or I need to, you know, call a specialist, because you will do more harm than good trying to kind of BS your way through those situations. It's not possible anymore. That's why we have the internet and, you know, the online resources and apps on our phone to look things up. I agree 100%. And that's especially when you're just starting off in medicine, whether I mean, anywhere in medicine, whether you be a, a tech, a nurse, a doctor, a PA, a, anything. It's, you know, if if you go in and somebody, I mean, you know, ER is all about knowing who's sick and not sick. So you go in, if you know they're sick, but you're not sure what's going on, that's fine. As long as you can be like, okay, I know they're sick. Let me get help mm -hmm. as opposed to, oh, I can handle this. And then it's, ooh, that's, that's when you're going to get yourself in trouble because, you know, I've been doing it for 12 years and I'm still asking for help. But, you know, if there's something going on, it's like, you know what, this is a surgical case and I can't fix this person. Call for help when you need it. There's no shame in it. And I think in kind of old school medicine, there was the idea that the doctor knew everything and that that yeah. would, and I think we need to change that culture entirely where it's okay for the doctor not to know. It's about them knowing what resources are available and, and where to, to go to for the information. Yeah. Well, I think that's perfect advice. Fantastic. Yeah. Advice. One of my rules is um, um, sometimes you're just missing a, a piece of information and it's a lot more efficient to kind of pull in your resources and kind of share what you're thinking and kind of figure it out together instead of trying to do it all on your own. Collaborating in medicine is thankfully becoming easier and easier and communication, even though we still do use a pagers for a lot of it is <laughs> exactly to get, to get messages to primary care doctors specialists getting there slowly i mean we we've just upgraded to the text message yeah right the secure mm -hmm. text message text message we, we've moved up to 2005 right. so we got that going for us wonderful guys well thank you so much for this episode of epinephrine i'm rob brandt i'm jacob barnett i'm casey brandt and i'm jen james we will see you next time Thank you, guys. Thank you again for listening to Epinephrine. And just as a reminder, though we are medical providers, we are not your medical providers. So if you have actual medical questions, please ask your actual medical doctor. And all the stories are changed from the originals to protect the innocent. We'll see you next week. Bye for now. Does the quality of the pink underwear, does that change anything? Hey!